What's my most favorite thing to do? To talk. Every week I'll do just that. We'll feature national and international movers and shakers, experts in their fields, and all-around interesting people with something more than great to say. No holds barred. We'll tackle every topic imaginable, especially for women over 40. This is Conversations with Sima. Please stay tuned. Today we'll be talking with a writer, storyteller, peacenik, and health consultant about her life, loves, and passions. Toronto-based Beverly Golden loves testing unconventional ways to shift paradigms in the playing fields of health and wellness, storytelling and creativity as a path to world peace. Her best-selling book, Confessions of a Middle-Aged Hippie, is filled with anecdotes from her years in the entertainment industry, coupled with her stories of survival from a life lived with health issues. Her passion is turning the impossible into the possible, and she shares her thought-provoking observations on Huffington Post and many others. So welcome, Beverly. Hi, Sima. So happy to have you today. For the listener, I do know the vast majority of my guests. This is going to be full disclosure because most people wouldn't know that. And I have been connected in one way or another with Beverly for the last three or four years. But for some reason, I always feel like I'm coming home to you. And I think it has to do with our middle age and maybe our hippie-dumb. But it always feels like I understand you. And for that reason alone, I'm just happy to have you. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And um, maybe... More of us are connected through this idea of hippydom than we think. We'll see. We'll see if that, that bears out. I think we will. So very briefly, tell the listener a little bit about your life and where you are today. Yeah, really briefly. I mean, where, do, where does one start? So um, currently I'm, I'm writing. I mean, I've always written. Um, I'm supporting people with their health and wellness as a health and vitality consultant. And one of the things that has been very helpful to me in my life has been art. Uh, Not that I come from an art background. I come from music and writing, but I just finished a seven-week contemporary mixed-media art intensive, which was quite fascinating. Uh, So art's played a really big role in my life as far as healing. Uh, Not something I would have imagined or predicted, but that's how it worked out. So today I'm enjoying life, doing a lot of different things, and as a multifacetist, I uh, wouldn't expect anything else from myself. Uh, Just exploring new things, learning, always learning. I've referenced you before, and I reference you again like the spoke of a wheel. You have a 101-year-old trailblazing mother. You have a daughter who is a child TV star. You've had many celebrity encounters, and you've also had a frightening and serious bout with failing health. Where should we start? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not an extremely linear person. So, like, I see connections between things from long ago and the middle of my life and today. But if I'm reflecting, I think, you know, there's two threads that have always run through my life, and that's really communication and expressing myself 
with words and writing, and then also my health issue. This has been an ongoing, you know, when you see these threads that continue connecting things in your life. So I think that those are the two predominant themes, we'll say, in my life. And then, you know, having a mother who's 101, which is pretty mind-blowing as it is, and just watching her as this incredible inspiration. I mean, all mother-daughter relationships have their challenges, but if I can look at her objectively and see how inspiring she is, because she really redefines what's possible when it comes to aging. And then having a daughter who is very different again and like who blazed her own trail pretty young in life. We knew that she was very musical and had a flair for drama and she just synchronistically happened to we happened to get her involved and she got a television series. So and then I was in the music industry, so celebrity encounters from several several places, both being in the music industry and then also my daughter being a celebrity in her own right. So all of those things weave together and through it all has been this health challenges I've had from a very young age. So I don't know if that gives you a little bit a little bit of a of an oversight of how I fit into, you know, how what a spoke in the wheel I am. I know that you had a health scare about four years ago, would it be? And I'm wondering if in retrospect you think that some of the basis for some of the health issues has been a crisis of the heart, uh, genetics, or something else entirely. And to the extent that you can explain what you're comfortable with to the listener, what can you tell them about what you've struggled with? Well, my health issues started when I was very young. And I have to say, you know, I've done a really a lot of work, and that's where the therapeutic art came in to look. I mean, my health issues started back in preteen. They may have even started earlier. I might have arrived on the planet. For those who believe that, I think I arrived here with this um, you know, this theme or this destiny path that I was going to follow. So I've had health issues since I was 12, and they've kind of permeated different periods of my life. And in my understanding now of of my biography, I understand that. So it was actually in the early 2000s, I had a major, major health crisis where I was at the point where this was like, hmm, You know, I mean, I think more than half the people who would see me thought she's not going to make it. And I just continued, I guess, trusting my own intuition, following leads, ended up going, I write about this in the book, I I ended up going to a clinic in Germany. um, And then I found Arscura, School for Living Art. And it was a really long journey back. So from 2001 until 2008, I was in a very precarious health position uh, where... I I was functioning and I was here, but I was certainly not healthy. And it was like, can I actually transform that? Previously in my life, I'd had health declines that were, you know, sudden and they were acute, but I always seemed to bounce back. Uh, So I, I wasn't quite prepared for the severity of what I went through, um, in that last health crisis because it was quite dramatic and many things were told to me like you'll never be able to travel again I mean I was at the point I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs so for even for me I although I always had hope I was like wow this is really different than I've ever experienced before I am not bouncing back so I feel this is my destiny path it was a crisis of the heart a crisis more of the soul maybe because I do believe that 
health issues like I've experienced are really, they're, they're spiritual di- disconnects. They manifest in the physical body, but really they can't only be healed in the physical body. I hope that makes sense to you and Absolutely. to whoever's listening. What do you think your purpose might have been being called to this earth in this moment in time with regard to your health? I've heard this many religions and many healing modalities. They really believe that when we heal ourselves, we heal the world. And maybe that sounds very esoteric, or maybe it sounds very grandiose, but people remind me how far down I was and what a gift I've given, similar to my mother turning 101 and showing people what aging gracefully looks like, somebody who heals a very major health crisis that they are not expected to heal, and then in in my case doing it, I mean really calling all my own shots and my own choices. Nobody agreed with me most of the time, and I was like, I'm responsible for myself. So I think that's part of the purpose. The challenge for me, is that a grandiose enough purpose? And this is what Mm -hmm. I'm learning in my life, that, you know, if we impact one person by something we have done, or sometimes we don't even know how we impact people. And I mean, I've continued to do this, hopefully with my writing. This is what I try to do with writing, is just sharing perspectives or sharing ideas or sharing new ways of looking at things that other people might say, hmm, and then look at their life differently. And we can, we can never really know the full impact. I mean, no matter how well-known or, or not well-known we are, we don't really know the impact. We just have to trust that we're doing work in this world that has a transformative impact on other people. Uh, so I think that's partly my purpose, and partly my purpose is I call myself a messenger of possibility because I see that I'm continuing to do that and to maybe upend the status quo or uh, my attempt is to, my intention maybe is to shake people out of complacency and just look at things a little bit differently, make different choices, you know, mm-hmm. um, take responsibility for their lives. So if that's the purpose, I'm, hopefully I'm, I've been on that path since I was pretty young. One more question before we move on. Regarding your being sandwiched between a strong mother and a strong daughter, does matriarchal life suit you? And in your lifetime, have you ever been someone's wife, girlfriend, partner in the sense of giving yourself over to someone else? Or do you always feel most centered being surrounded with women? No, I've I've actually, I mean, you know, an anecdotal story, but when I got married, and I got married in 75. I mean, most women at that time were taking their husband's last name, right? And I insisted on keeping my last name Golden. And at that time, my lawyer said, well, I don't think you can, I wanted a hyphenate, right? Golden slash. And he goes, I don't really think that's legal. I don't know if you can legally do it. So it was like, well, figure this out because I'm doing it. Um, So no, I've, (laughs) I've never, I mean, in some ways, I've just always said, no, this is how I want this to be. So let's figure out a way to do it. Um, and I've never really felt that. I've never felt I'm, I think other people maybe have looked at me that way. Oh, you're Lil's daughter. Or, oh, you're Lonnie's mother. Or, oh, you're, you know. But I've never looked at myself that way. I've always had this, I guess, fiercely independent streak to stand on my own, um, to make a mark on my own, and not to be, um, somebody else's something, if that makes sense yes. at all. Yes. We're talking today with writer, storyteller, and peacenik, Toronto-based Beverly Golden. 
Let's get around to your book, which is so juicy and so fascinating, Confessions of a Middle-Aged Hippie. Let's talk a little bit about your definition of a hippie and your correlation to staying true to being a hippie. I know that you have tips and you have thoughts about this. So let's go through this from the beginning. Sure. I mean, the interesting thing is that title of that book, I'm just, this is prefacing it, that title just came to me, Confessions of a Middle-Aged Hippie, and I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And I'm, I mean, it wasn't that I set out to write a confessional book in the sense that some people might think, ooh, it's, you know, confessional. It is confessional, but maybe not in a traditional way. So as I was writing this book and I told my brother the title, he goes, um, Beverly, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you, but you weren't really a hippie. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Of course I was a hippie. And I had to really rethink this because I was, what does is, what is he mean that I wasn't a hippie? So then I realized a lot of times people will look at hippie and they, they think of hippie in a lifestyle perspective. You know, I mean, it has this connotation, especially in the media of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was, it was lifestyle-oriented. And, uh, and my kind of hippie was a value-based system. So when I put that into perspective, it was like, of course, I've always been a hippie. Because if we look at the things that were birthed then, that are, they're not really new, but they became very much part of the culture. I mean, this is when we started talking about world peace and sustainability. Community was very at the center of the hippie movement. Spirituality, meditation, you know, organic living, consciousness, compassion, transformation, music, art, love. So when I looked at all of that, I went, well, of course, I've always been that. And then what I realized is we are all that. Those are not only hippie values, they're human values. And I believe at the core of all of us, regardless of how, we, how it's acted out in the world, I think at the core of that, these are the human values. And this is why the hippie movement, I believe, continues today, because I think this, it was counterculture and maybe revolutionary back then in the 60s. I mean, the hippie era was really from 1964 to 1967 uh, and then carried forth. And some people would say, yeah, but that was all idealistic and that's, that's not alive and well today. But if you really look, they're mainstream ideas today. All of these things that were perhaps considered, woo, those hippies, you know, it's basically what we're all striving for and I hope working towards today. Everywhere I go, yoga and meditation and transformation and and spirituality. So really, it was the birthing ground. And from an astrology point of view, it was preordained. So during the 60s, we had Pluto and Uranus in conjunction. So this is a time when seeds were planted. And Uranus is the planet of revolution and sudden change. And Pluto basically represents all of the, um, I'd say, the institutions we know and love. So you saw like anti-war movements happening then. You saw a very distinct, you know, them and us, like the man. People talked about what the corporate world as the man versus us. So we're seeing that again now, but unfortunately now what's where we're at is we're in this middle of a hundred year cycle. We just finished um, from 2012 to 2015. There were seven exact squares between Pluto and Uranus. And we've really been seeing a lot of shaking up again of all of these seeds that were planted back in the 60s. That's a really brief, a brief rundown of how it's laying out now. And we are seeing that. We're seeing everything we've held dear and thought was how our world 
is going to be is being shaken, rattled, and kind of deconstructed. I guess that's a good word. But the opportunity is to reconstruct something in the image and in the way we want it to be, as opposed to a lot of doom and glooming, I guess, right now. From a hippie perspective, I think this movement is stronger than ever. The hippie movement is a resistance movement right now. The hippie movement are the people who believe in social justice and human rights and animal rights and environmental rights. This is a large-scale hippie movement. Um, and that just came to me now, but really it is. Do you think that the 60s and 70s really move things progressively forward? Because I'm thinking about any number of guests I've had in the last several months who have felt so disheartened about the fact that so many decades of work in their genre, in their fields, really hasn't given them the end result that they were hoping in terms of maternity leave and equal pay and women's rights. I, I'm wondering how you feel now about what the progress might have been. I mean, you say that we're in the middle of a shakeup, but a lot of people feel as if we've regressed or even stagnated. And so that would be the first question. The second would be, what's your take on what's going on right now, especially in our country? Yeah, and I mean, I live in Canada, and I can't tell you how involved I've been in American politics, so it's really interesting. I've never really been a political person. You know, I've never really looked at politics, but I've taken a new worldview right now because I see, you know, I mean, I have to have to be honest, in November I was just shattered by what had happened. I felt that we'd taken such a huge step backwards in all the things that we've been fighting for. But then I had to step back again and in perspective say, but what's the opportunity here? And yeah, it looks pretty gloomy. I'm sure people who've been working in the arenas of the environment or women's issues or, you know, human rights or social justice, I just think it's coming to the fore right now. And I think what's happening, maybe I'm optimistic, but I think people are being shaken out of complacency in a lot of areas where they thought, oh, we're okay you know, we don't need to get involved. We've already arrived at this place in our lives. I think everyone has to get involved now. And whatever is most near and dear to their heart, I think they have to stand up and show up and in whatever way that can be. So I can understand the total, I don't know what word to use, being disheartened. I think you just used that word. But we can't give up, you know. And so I've been following things that are sending out amazing news. I mean, there's one site that I somehow found and last week their newsletter was all about the advances in renewable energy around the world so forget about what's happening in the u.s i honestly think the u.s is going to be left behind if they don't actually take a look at what the commitment is in some of the countries that we probably never thought would be leaders in renewable energy and i mean all of the progress that's happened has not is, is still there. I mean, renewable energy is still much more economical, apparently, right now than oil and gas, but it's an old-school mentality. So I remember Michael Moore saying, I watched something that he presented, and he said only 17% of the population are white men over the age of 35 in the U.S. Now, that gang of men is really trying to hang on to all that they've they've got or lost really tightly. But if you look at the masses of people that are rallying, if you look at young people who are very progressive in the way they think, I mean, I've heard some young people say they don't really even believe in capitalism and they see another 
type of economy. And I think that's the kinds of things we're going to see. What can we imagine that we don't have now because we're so used to the way things used to be? And the, and the, the, the bottom line is things will not go back to the way they used to be. As much as the people in power are attempting to do that, I don't really think that's possible. We've moved too far beyond it. And let's hope this is just a blip in our leap forward. And I think there's going to be a lot more that has to be done, and I don't think it's going to be easy. And, I mean, I can only encourage people to follow. There's so many positive initiatives right now that are feeding, you know, here's what you can do, here's good news, here's what's happening, instead of focusing only on what appears to be the reality in front of us. Because again, reality is always malleable and changeable. And I think we're actually creating a new positive reality because there's this kind of darker reality, I guess, that we're seeing um, in front of us all the time right now. So it's an exciting time. It's a terrifying time. I think we just have to keep fighting and we have to just keep remembering what our values are and what are the values that really matter. And we certainly do have leaders. I mean, I was a very, you know, very, I would have supported Bernie Sanders because I believe he is a hippie. He's the ultimate representative of what hippie values are and what he sees as a just society. So maybe that's for the people who are feeling really despondent on where do I go next. It's like align with the people who see positive vision and take actions in a positive direction. One of the things that I talk about is how important it is to remain centered in these times. I mean, it's important anyway, but it's important right now that people find ways to keep themselves healthy, to keep their hearts and souls and minds intact, and that they remain firmly rooted to the ground. What are some of the methods you use for doing all of those things? Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I definitely can be someone who gets overamped by everything that's going on. So one of my favorite things is walking, um, always being conscious of what I eat. I mean, I have to be honest, that's like, that's a real old hippie, hippie idea. You know, you are what you eat. I mean, really, when did that idea originate? But it's so true. Our food supply is so much more, we'll say, endangered now. So for all of us, it's like, choose where to spend your money. Like, you know, this is a big one. We have so much power by what we choose to buy and support local farmers, you know, eat healthy food, be in groups who are supporting positive change. And I think that's, it's, you know, not only on a physical level, it's on a spiritual level. So meditation, I'm personally just signed up for a mindfulness meditation drumming workshop because I thought that sounds really fascinating. I mean, everybody is different. This is the whole thing. Everyone's unique. So what I might do might or might not resonate with someone else. But what's really critical is finding what works for you, what, you know, kind of inspires you, I guess, or what motivates you to want to stay in a healthy place because it's easy to get spun out of control things are happening so quickly and there's so much information coming at us it's really important to turn off from it and i think too many people are addicted to their technology i don't i don't know i'm i'm not one of those people so much i don't walk around with my phone having to be connected 24 7 it's really taking time for themselves and i mean we hear this idea of self-care or self-love and it's like that can mean different things to different people i'm a nature person so anytime being in nature is for me really energizing i love trees you know have a reverence for nature because we as humans have not really treated this planet with grand reverence 
Um, so it's finding something you have reverence for and, and spending time um, in, in it or doing that or being that. Uh, if it's art, if it's music, anything creative is fantastic for soul and, and body and mind, you know, health. I was going to ask you about your passions for creating. It seems like that's the center of your world. Well, and it's it's an interesting thing because if you would have asked me many years ago, I would have said I'm a left brain, like I was very analytical, very organized. But in reality, I'm much more of a right brain person. I come from a place of imagination and intuition as much as I do from, you know, this left brain logic. And I see how the new initiatives that are so fascinating in this world are coming out of this place of creativity. They're coming out of this right brain imagination. And, of course, you know, the great thinkers like Albert Einstein, I mean, he came from this right brain creativity. And, I mean, there's a lot of experts, whoever the experts are, are saying that creativity is what will save the world. And I see so many in the younger generation coming up with genius inventions and ways to save our world. And this is what this is what's exciting. So again, it goes back to looking for the positive things that are happening. You know, I have many people who say, well, I'm not creative. And I mean, that's absolutely not true. Every single person is creative. It's just a matter of, I guess, unleashing that, that inner creativity with something you love to do. It could be, I mean, I know someone who loves scrapbooking. It could be doing that. It, it it could be painting, it could be music, it, it could be many, many different things. Writing can be creative, and writing is really cathartic. Research is showing that writing has a really healing uh, in, you know, effect on both your emotions and your body. So there's so much to choose from. It's like really, in some, for some people, it's about carving time out and not getting so caught up in the, in, you know, the whirlwind of our 24-7 lives. It's like, Slow it down. Slow it down a little bit. And honestly, even adult coloring, which is fascinating how that's become quite popular, right? So so hopefully those are a couple of ideas. What do you think the next decade will look like for you? What do you hope to accomplish? Oh, that's a big question. I've been one who's really looked at this idea of a legacy and what what will my legacy be? And as an Aquarian, I've always wanted it to be huge, like, you know, to have a global impact. Aquarians are very much the humanitarians and and looking for fairness in the world. So I don't know. I I just feel that I'm very different now than I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And I feel very called to be of service in some way. I don't know exactly what that will look like, but it does feel like it will continue to be writing, writing about things that have an impact, you know, or are having an impact in the world. And also through health and wellness, because I think all of us now, that's so key to really look after our health and our well-being and our vitality, because it's easy to get burned out with everything that's going on and with the pace of our world burnout and stress they're at record levels so it's like how do we find this balance and I mean that's an interesting word it's been an elusive word in my own life but balance is momentary so it means that we're very conscious of striving for balance and making choices that move us more towards balance than take us away from it if that makes sense it sure does what one thought would you like to leave the listener with today I think for me, it's always like, trust yourself, trust your intuition. And for people who say, well, I don't know how to listen to my intuition. I say, you know what, there's always an inner voice talking to us. And it's to really take the time to listen. Because I believe we do have the answers. 
And I believe the more each of us takes responsibility for ourselves and looks for our own answers, then we actually do become a leader in our own way to be helping and supporting other people in the world. We've been talking today with writer, speaker, peacenik, self-professed hippie, and health consultant Beverly Golden about her life, loves, purpose, and path. Beverly can be found at www.beverleygolden.com. Thank you so much, Beverly, for joining me today. What a great half hour. Thanks so much. It was wonderful. I really appreciate it. I'm Sima Shapiro, your host of For Women Over 40, Conversations with Sima. Thank you so much to the listener for joining me today. And until next time, I do hope you take care. We'll be led out of here with the words and song by Beverly Golden and Doug Biller, A Different World. 